Our next guests are the co-hosts of the very popular radio program entitled The Big Show. The Big Show. This is The Big Show. They call me Hollywood. Here come The Big Show. Big Show. Big show. Ladies and gentlemen, The Big Show. It's a Big Show. Is everybody ready? Uh-oh. Guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Hey, guess what day it is. Oh, come on. I know you can hear me. It's hump day. Woo-woo! Hump day? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. Gordon's vacation continues on, sitting in with me once again. Former BYU assistant coach, coached at Utah as well. He's our good friend, Tim Lacombe. What's up, Tim? What's up, Jake? It's good to be back. Yeah, it's good to see you. Thanks for doing it again. It's been a long time. It has been a long time. Missed you yesterday. You know what? I like seeing you around these parts uh, uh, frequently. It's nice. It's a good thing. It is a good thing, man. I used to only see you once in a while, and now I get to see you all the time. That's right. Yeah, it's great. And uh, we're going to get the show started in the the correct manner. Coming up in just a few minutes, we're going to talk to Jimmer Fredette, one of your former players. Yeah, Jimmer is uh, coming to town this week. He's got his uh, foundation uh, basketball tournament on Saturday morning after he plays golf with me, and I beat him. Uh, so he was nice enough to talk to him just a bit ago. He's nice enough to come on and talk about that, and we'll pick his brain on a whole bunch of other things too. Yeah, no doubt about it, and uh, kind of where he's going, what a season he had over there in, in China. and Boy, he's having a lot of success. That'll be a really fun conversation. Yeah, it's I always great. Jimmer, Jimmer uh, people will be excited, I'm sure. Have, have there been many athletes out here that have captivated – everyone like Jimmer. I mean, even think back to like Carl Malone, John Stockton. I mean, they were great and they did great things, but they never, there, was there ever that national buzz? Or, I, think, I think his, it was perfect timing too with social media, right? And, yep. and just people catching on. I mean, Kevin Durant made a comment about him on Twitter um, during that time. What's crazy is if, if BYU were not at the time in the Mountain West and on the mountain and they had ESPN situation that they have now it would have even been bigger you know a lot of times you it was hard to find his find our games because he was we're on the mountain which was a fairly fairly uh the mountain the reach of the mountain yeah the mountain was not it was not terrific it was not uh not the best in the world right all right joining us now former byu cougar and of course the legend himself he is jimmer fredette with us here on the big show hi jimmer thank you so much for a few minutes man Hey guys, how are you doing? What's up? How you doing, Jimmer? I'm good, Tim. How are you? I'm good. I'm just getting excited to to beat you on Saturday. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I I haven't been working on my game at all, which means that I'm probably going to play really well. Okay, that's that's typical. That's right, the first time first, out. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> that's the best. You live on a golf course, man. Come on. <laughs> I know, I know, but I have a ten week old. That's true. You know. That's tough. And a two and a half year old. I mean, not a whole lot of time right now. <laughs> Is everybody coming with you, or just you coming solo this time? Just, just me solo this time for the quick trip. Um, we hope to make it with them out there at some point this summer. Great. Um, so that some some people can see them. But everybody's good health. Uh, baby, baby's good. Yeah. Mom's good. Yeah, everybody's really good health wise. Yep, just uh, you know, getting as much sleep as we can, but we're we're having a great time. This summer has been has been really fun so far. Wesley's is uh is really, really growing up and, and a lot of fun right now, so it's been good. That's awesome, man. 
Jimmer, before we uh, you know dive into other stuff, talk about what's going on this weekend with the Jimmerosity three on three tourney. Yeah, we have our Jimmerosity three on three basketball turn- tournament, you know, at the Provo Rec Center um, this Saturday, um, and it's just been absolutely um, awesome every single year that we've done it. Um, for the past five years, it's been a lot of fun, and we always get um, a, a lot of teams and a lot of kids come into play. And then we have a corporate division, which is the people who help sponsor that come in and play. So the older guys come in and play, and and uh, that's a lot of fun too. But um, you know, we're just trying to promote awareness for you know anti-bullying um, in schools and in the Provo and Utah County, um, all the way through Salt Lake area. You know, we're just trying to help kids. Um, you know know that uh, being respectful and being kind to others is the cool thing to do and that's the right thing to do and, and if you do that it'll be a nice snowball effect and hopefully it'll you know help affect um, the rest of the school so it's uh, it's a great event we have a lot of fun with it and uh, hopefully everybody can come out and support Jimmer, of all the uh, the causes you could have uh, you know put your name on and supported what uh, what about this cause and about bowling uh, kind of resonated with you so I think the biggest thing for us was, um, you know, when we first started the foundation, we wanted to just try to help families out as much as we possibly could. And, um, you know, obviously I have a very close family with myself and, and my, my family, my, my brother, my, my sister, my dad, my mom, and obviously Whitney and, and my kids here. We just have a really close, uh, tight-knit family. And uh, so we wanted to do that originally, but the families kept coming to us and saying, you know, you know, our kids are really struggling because they're being bullied at school or something's going wrong at school or with their friends or they're not being included and stuff. And because of that, the family dynamic was being, you know, thrown off a little bit because the kid was just was kind of sad and, you know, didn't want to do anything after school, just wanted to be alone by in his room or whatever. And, um, you know, it was it was heartbreaking for us to hear. And because of that, we felt like in order to help families we need to make sure that the kids are kids are happy and they're doing their best and being treated the way that they should be treated so we decided to get into all the uh, uh, school districts around the area and try to promote uh, kindness and respect and uh, run these anti-bullying programs and if we could do that through a grassroots level uh, with these kids that that's the best way to actually make change and um, you know so far it's been really good I think the schools that have been uh, supporting our cause have found it to really help the school and make a great camaraderie between the kids and the teachers and everybody around the area and it's continuing to spread um, all the way up you know I-15 so we hope to continue to get more and and more help and uh, you know but it's been a really great process. That's great. Uh, unbelievable cause. That's that's terrific. Uh, Jimmer, I wanted to ask you about your coach, Dave Rose. He retired uh, a couple of months ago, of course, giving me the pleasure to talk to Tim here today. But uh, will you talk about playing for that staff and what their legacy should be up at BYU? Uh, they were amazing. I mean, I think it was the best coaching staff that BYU's ever had uh, up to this point. I mean, what Coach Rose and the coaches were able to do when he was there was just win. I mean, you know, he, he just he just knew what he wanted in his program. He knew what he wanted in his players. And ever since the first year he took over, he took, he, he brought that uh, winning mentality, brought that intensity every single day, um, and uh, got the most out of his players. And uh, you know, so I I love Coach and and I'm him and all the coaching staff that was with me at that time. And uh, that that was all the way through until you know this last past season. But um, you know, I think that you know he is a, an amazing coach and even a more amazing guy who really truly cares about his players um, on and off the court and their families and what they do. And um, you know, so I think that 
he deserves a ton of credit for where BYU is in their basketball program right now, and hopefully, you know, Coach Pope will continue that. Jimmer, uh, obviously, everybody knows you uh, played for the last few years in China, um, and then uh, signed a, a contract toward the end of the year with uh, with the Suns. Finished out the season there um, with China. What's uh, what's your favorite thing about? living over there i know you've talked to me and you actually really like it uh a lot of things about it what's uh what's one of the best things about living in china and then what's one of the more difficult things for you yeah the you know the china is uh you know it's definitely a very different place from the u.s you know just culturally and economically and you know a different different type of place to be in but um you know the city of shanghai was one of the coolest cities that i've ever been to um i mean it has 33 million people in it and it's just absolutely ridiculously big um but it's very easy to get around the subway system is great i was i used to go around the subway all the time everywhere i could get to and and it had actually really great food in shanghai which was nice i could find anything that i wanted there whether it was italian or mexican or um or chinese or whatever it was it was all really really good food which so i was very fortunate to live there um but the, my favorite part was probably the people the people were awesome um they loved uh our team uh, they embraced myself and my family uh they loved little wesley when she went over there i mean she was a superstar when she went over there we would walk around the streets and people would just come up and take pictures with her <laughs> and wouldn't even know who i was you know what i mean and it was it so it was pretty funny um so we just loved the people and how much they embraced us you know but some of the tough things about it is you know uh, you know, we don't get American uh, internet or TV or anything like that over there. Um, you know, it's you know they don't let you uh, get on Twitter or Instagram or any of that stuff or let you watch any of your uh, shows that you'd watch in America. So I mean, there was a little bit of you know trying to figure out what was going on in, uh, in the world. Um, it sometimes you know when I was out there in China, but uh, you know. Other than that, I thought it was it was a lot of fun, and and you know some of the places that we had to stay weren't great, and some of the places that we, uh, you know that we ate at and you know on the road were were pretty tough, you know, and there's there's a lot of things that were you know difficult in that manner. But other than that, I thought it was uh, I thought it was a great experience. How is the basketball culture over there? Are they are they super into basketball? Is it where would you rank it amongst the sports out there? Are they they wild about the sport? Yeah, they love it. I mean, um, it's it's probably second in China behind soccer. Um, they love soccer as well, and then basketball is right behind it. And um, you know, specifically, they love the NBA. I mean, there's, I think they say somewhere around 500 million casual basketball fans in China. So it's the biggest market in the world for uh, basketball, which is why the NBA is so big and, and trying to get over there so much and do a lot of things over in China as much as they can because that's their biggest market. And uh, they also love the CBA. They love their Chinese players. Those The Chinese players that are over there are literally superstars, you know, with millions and millions of followers. And, and uh, you know, everywhere they go, they get recognized. And, um, you know, so it's, it's, it's very cool to see. And obviously they, they, they keep up with their basketball and, and they love the, the people that are playing for their teams. So it's, it's a big market. Jim, I know you got to to run, catch a flight. Um, but uh, who do, who do you think is going to win the this the, the finals here? Um, who you got? Because I've been absolutely horrendous in picking games. I actually picked <laughs> Toronto because I thought Golden State would win just to like offset it. Just but to, I've been yeah, awful for sure. I've been awful. So <laughs> that's um, funny. It's so hard. Yeah, I was going to say it's so hard to predict what's going to happen. I think that Golden State's going to win tomorrow night. 
I think they're going to win game six and then game seven, obviously anything can happen. Um, you know, I, for me, it's really, really hard to pick against the Warriors until I see them lose. And, um, you know, so, I mean, they just, they just continue to battle and continue to fight back and have that, that heart of a champion. And, uh, you think that they're down and out and they just somehow, you know, come back and, and, and win games and just, they just do that on a regular basis. So it's hard for me, even though, you know, they're, it's an uphill battle and Toronto's played great. And obviously Kawhi's played amazing and, and they deserve a ton of credit. It, I, it's hard for me to pick against the Warriors until I see someone do it. Jimmer, before we let you go, we do a bit here on the show. We call it the house band of the day where one of us picks a band and that's uh, the music we play for all our bumper music coming back into segment all day long. And Tim and I thought we should let Jimmer pick the band of the day. Who should we listen to today? Nice. Well, my favorite band that I've been listening to a lot recently, um, their new album was great, is Panic at the Disco. All, All right. right. Okay. We I thought you were going to go it. with like Bob no. Seger or something from your throwback days. <laughs> we don't, Jim yeah, and I was always taught no. classic rock. He he, he has oh, a yeah, for classic sure. rock side. I'm, I'm all about it. If you haven't heard the new Panic at the Disco album, definitely check it out. You guys should play some of that because it's, it's very good. All Very right. good. We're looking over at Austin. He's on it. Uh, Jimmer, we can't thank yeah. you enough for, for joining us and coming on the show. We really appreciate it, and uh, good luck this weekend with everything. Sure. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. And, Tim, we'll see you Saturday morning. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, bring your wallet. I will. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you. All right, guys. Thanks, Jimmer. Jimmer Fredette. Uh, Jimmerosity three-on-three tournament this weekend, this Saturday, down in uh, in Provo. The Provo Rec Center, I believe you said, right? Yes, Provo Rec Center. And that's after catching a beating on the golf course. Yep. That is uh, that is the plan. We'll see. Hopefully I'm better at golf on Saturday than I have been at picking games. Let me ask you this. Are you what, – what do you think about Jimmer's pro career and kind of through the lens of what you thought it might be when he was leaving BYU? Well, I don't know that uh, <laughs> when he left BYU and, and – it was really like surreal to think back on. You know, I was sitting in the the auditorium the night uh, back at the Final Four in Houston um, when they gave him the the Player of the Year, Naismith Player of the Year trophy. And you know, we met as a staff afterwards, got our picture taken, and it's honestly my house catches on fire. One of the things I'm going to grab is that picture, you know, because it was so. I mean, I didn't even realize at the time just how cool that was. I mean, right. there's a guys that do this for a long, long time and you never get to coach the player of the year. So with that being said, I, I think that, you know, you would look at a guy who has had a difficult time sticking in the NBA um, and all the different reasons, you know, have been bannered about forever. But you would say maybe, you know, disappointment or, you know, a letdown for, for everybody, for Jimmer. But, um, you know, I think the impact that he's had um, on the game and the way that the game's played uh, and then just the, the course that his career's taken him and the people that he's met and just being able to go to China and basically have a, you know, an impact on people that, like he said, don't even get the Internet. I mean, they had no idea who the guy was, really. Um, I think, uh, you know, every it's just a kind of a... a a lesson in life really you've got expectations and you've got a dream for what it's going to be and you know it just didn't turn out exactly the way he wanted but played in the league for for years and and played with different teams and got that experience and uh you know i I think that uh you know it's been positive i think 
I don't think there's I would ever call Jimmer Fredette's professional career a disappointment. There are a lot of players picked higher than he is that have a lot or he was, right. excuse me, that have a lot you know, or not as good of career as he has had. He's made a lot of money. He's played really well at different places and just because um, you uh, don't spend 10 years in the NBA by no means uh, makes you a, a disappointment. So I want to say that. But here here's my take on Jimmer. I always thought if he was three to four inches taller, he would have played 10 to 15 years in the NBA regardless. But at his size, it it was tough for an NBA team to highlight what he does. Yeah. And and of course he's you know you match him up one on one against Damian Lillard on defense, you know, he's going to be at a disadvantage in the NBA specifically the Western Conference is full, full of those, those guys. guys. Correct. And so if you're Kyle Korver's size, you can hide him on defense a little bit and then highlight what he does on offense. When you're the point guard, you're front and center and you have to there's only one particular person that that you can you can guard so either a, a franchise has to turn over the entire offense to Jimmer to go do his thing or else he's just not the come in spot up catch and shoot type of dude at his size and I, I thought he was always his game was not a great fit for the NBA at his size yeah and I think a lot of it too I mean you look back on uh, the situation he went into in Sacramento wasn't right from the start Not wasn't ideal. terrific. No. So you think, you know, those are also things you have to put into the equation. Um, you know, if he's on a different team with a different staff, with a different mindset and a more stable situation, is it better? Uh, but it is the way it is, and I'm with you. I mean, I think uh, critics would say, you know, guy, you know, the guy couldn't stick. But I, I look at it completely opposite. I think, um, I think Jimmer – Bottom line is he's a guy you can say that name to anyone in the United States that follows hoop, and no matter where I go, you know I tell him Jimmer had no, you know you know Jimmer played for BYU. I was one of the coaches. Dude had no idea how to shoot the ball till I got a hold of him. That's <laughs> <laughs> a joke. Um, but yeah, it's uh, the, the best part about that kid is that kid. I mean, it's perfect that he picks um, a foundation to support. About you know uh, focusing on kindness because he might be one of the more kind guys. He he literally would stay and sign things until there was nobody left all the time. Um, and uh, he he's a terrific human being. You know it's it's funny you mentioned that because I don't think um, somebody with a different character could have handled the amount of spotlight that was cast upon him and be the uh, the the perfect person to carry that. That torch. Not that he's perfect, but but he had the perfect personality for that. He's kind of got this happy-go-lucky thing going, and he's not doesn't have the arrogance. It's not off-putting. He's obviously a a good human. You know, I, he was kind of the perfect person to handle that. I wonder if uh, other another personality type would have gone through that if if they would have handled it quite as well. I'll give you a case in point, and and you can confirm or deny a rumor out there uh, or not uh, that Jabari Parker didn't didn't want that and that his reception that he got when he took his visit to BYU was almost off-putting to him because right. he didn't have that personality where he wanted that attention and that spotlight because it's that's hard. It is hard. You know, that's hard. You have 20,000 people chanting your name, right? There's a lot of pressure that comes with it. The thing that Jimmer did time and time again was just answered the bell to the pressure. Yeah. I mean, he didn't feel it because I think he didn't take himself so seriously and uh, it just – it was a perfect marriage. I mean, you asked him about Coach Rose, and I say this all the time. I've had the experience of working for a lot of different guys, and I don't know that he could have been Jimmer 
well, I know he couldn't have been Jimmer with, with another coach. You know, Coach Rose allowed him to be him. And it's not like Jimmer came in right away and just had this instant success. You know, we are the staff that didn't start him an entire season. He did not start his whole freshman year. And in this day and age, that just wouldn't stick. A guy that he'd be gone. That good, yeah, yeah. he's gone. Mm-hmm. But to Jimmer's credit, his family's credit, they believed in the process. Um, they supported our decisions. They didn't necessarily agree with it, but it was good and amicable. And then obviously, the he just laid the, the groundwork for what what he became. You know, I know that he had a lot of moments at BYU that will stick out in anybody's mind, right? You know, all the shots and uh, tournament performances, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, one that really sticks out in mind as this was quintessential Jimmer is when he had that game, and I was I was up at the Huntsman Center when you guys were taking on Utah, and he was just decimating them. And at the end of the first half, got basically an ovation. From Ute from fans. fans. You've been around this rivalry uh, most of your life, uh, on the very inside of it. In order to provoke that kind of reaction from the that rival, you got to be doing something it, special. It was shocking, you know really. I mean? It was. It was completely shocking. I think of all the memories, and I think it was really Jimmer's coming out party, um, the Arizona game, his junior year, when we just – I mean, we ran the Wildcats out of the gym. We beat them by 20. It wasn't close. And he had 47. Um, it's just, it's, it was an amazing, amazing thing. And then he just continued to do it time and time again. Awesome. And the league was so good back then, too. The Mountain West Conference was so good. His yep. junior and senior It really year. was. New Mexico was good. UNLV was really good. Um, you know, Utah was, was competitive. San Diego State was San awesome. San Diego State was awesome. So, yeah, there were two Sweet, sweet 16 teams in that league. You know, San Diego State and us went to the Sweet 16 that year. I just don't think uh, college basketball has been the same since, to be honest with you, in, in here, right, in this market. I think we're all kind of waiting for that. Even though Utah had a couple of good runs with uh, with Pirtle and DeLon Wright, it was, I mean, that was when the league was really good. And I realize Utah wasn't very good at the time, but the, you had superstars in Kawhi Leonard and Jimmer Fredette, and, and Kawhi may not have been the superstar he is today, but he certainly was in college basketball ranks. And that was, I was down at that, that conference tournament, and man, that was a lot of fun. It just raised the bar for everybody's expectations, and that's obviously a really good thing and a tough thing. But, you know, fans should take a lesson from Jimmer and uh, and be patient. Be patient. Trust the process. Know, you know, that it just takes a little time. I mean, you're not going to do it every single year. But uh, we've got really good basketball in the state right now. Um, and really good coaches, and it's just a matter of time before something happens like that again. The other lesson from Jimmer's career, work out at the prison. Go down to the prison, get some pickup games going, and, you know. We, we, played, we played in Glens Falls one year, okay? So we took our team back there to play in the Civic Center. You want to talk about a goosebump moment. Oh, yeah? When, oh, man. The, the place, I think the game was 7, and at 5.30, 6 o'clock, there was not a seat in the house. Really? Everybody was there standing on their feet watching warm-ups. And then when they introduced Jimmer, seriously, I looked over at Coach, and I had the same, I mean, we're all human, but the, the buzz and the, the love for this kid and the, what he did for that city, I mean, it was emotional. Pretty wild. It was really, really cool. Well, big thanks to Jimmer Fredette for for jumping on the show. That's a great way to start it off, and, and good luck to him with uh, with the event coming up this weekend. Uh, second, your thoughts on that? What a what a great cause, bullying and and being kind, as you say, is perfect for him. So that's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's great. And, and if in the community, if we uh, you know if you're thinking about it, you can get on uh, look at Jimmerosity, and maybe uh, we could all throw some money in that thing and and help Jimmer uh, win a great cause.
Absolutely. All right. Coming up a little later on in the show, we're going to talk to Chris Mannix at the top of the four o'clock hour. So Chris, Chris is based out of Boston. And as far as the, the trade rumors and all that stuff goes, it absolutely revolves around Boston. So I'm excited to talk to Chris. No, today that'll be to, that'll be really fun. A lot going on. And uh, and you, like you say, they've got all the, they've got a lot of bargaining chips. I mean, they can make a lot of things happen and then it will influence the rest of the league. Also uh, coming up right around the corner, I want to get your thoughts on uh, on game number five, because last I talked to you, we were previewing that game and. Boy, was it a heck of a game. So I want to get your thoughts on that. Kevin Durant, surgery today as well. It's all straight ahead on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. I look at the Devils, they went 7-5. and five. All the great ones down there have rolled off a 7-5 and five season. Have you had a coach who didn't go 7-5? <laughs> and five? Well, yeah, they used to only play 10 games. So the Utes have to go back to the 80s to find a coach who didn't have a 10-win season. The Cougars have to go back to the 60s. They were playing fewer games then, so I guess that's not a good bar. That's what I just said. You just said it like I know, it was brand finished. new news. You weren't paying a lick of attention. I hang on your every stupid word, and me, you just blow me off. That's a great point, Dave. They did play fewer games back then. Why didn't I think... Think of that. He's trying to find Utes and Cougars and mash up with my Aztecs. I need some. You can kiss my Aztecs. I need some root beer. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10. Presented by WCF Insurance. Reminding you to be careful out there. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Band of the day today, Panic at the Disco, selected by Jimmer Fredette, brought to you by Live Nation Concerts. Buy concert tickets and get the latest tour news and artist insight at LiveNation.com. Tim Lacombe sitting in for Gordon today. That was a good idea you had to uh, to ask Jimmer, Band of the Day. Otherwise, we I think it would have been Iron Maiden, and we might have lost some listeners. We could have so. gone with that. Yeah. What's the matter with Iron Maiden? Nothing. It's just a little hard. It's good, though. For the average f- person. Oh, you'd be surprised. I love me some Iron Maiden. I, I'm with you. Uh, all right, let's talk a little NBA Finals, Tim. Uh, when you joined us on Monday, we were previewing Game 5, and Game 5 turned out to be a classic with uh, an incredible amount of storylines, a devastating injury, but one heck of a basketball game. It was amazing. And we talked that day, the 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 fact that KD was coming back, you know, everybody was speculating on how it would affect the Warriors, but I really do think it gave him a lift. And I think he started that game locked, totally locked in, and then with the uh, the way the injury happened, um, it really just kind of fueled them to to figure out a way to win the game. And uh, Jimmer made a comment there, and I was thinking about it, you know, during the last couple of days. But it really there is no substitute for experience and that understanding of what it takes to win a championship. And if you're gonna you're gonna beat the champion, you better knock them out. And Kawhi came really close to knocking him out. I mean, he made three unbelievable plays in a row. And I think everybody was sitting there getting ready to watch the celebration. And then the Warriors just had an answer. Um, And I think we're in that scenario we talked about on Monday where um, if we can get to a game six and it's in Golden State, you know, odds are they're going to win. They're the favorite. And then it goes down to game seven, which is the best thing in sport. You know, I know NHL game seven's tonight. I don't watch a lot of NHL, but I'm going to watch it because it's Game 7. Um, so it's exciting. It's it's exactly 
what we had all hoped for. Um, but uh, it was it was a classic game for sure. What did you think about from a coach's perspective, uh, Nick Nurse's timeout with three minutes to go and lack of a timeout before the final possession? I was a little surprised. I, 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 it's a crazy how you know I'm so much smarter now that I <laughs> that I'm not coaching and I well, do yeah. a little media. Obviously, you, know? you get behind the microphone and you know everything. But uh, I think it, it really is. It, it just goes down to you know how a coach feels and the personality and. Bottom line is, at the end of the game, they got a great, pretty great, pretty great look, and Draymond just made an unbelievable closeout and play. Um, but those are the shots that they've been making all series long. Um, you know, it was a penetrate kick. It was wide open. It was wide open. You know, he just closed and and made it a really difficult shot. Um, but that's something that it will be kind of talked about. They, he, I'm always, at least the way I always felt was. Timeouts should be used, obviously, for strategy and then to end runs. And I think that, in my opinion, that it went a little too far. Their run got a little too deep, um, you know, without a timeout. I uh, here, Here's the thing on the last possession. The, this is the way I'm coming at it. Maybe I'm crazy. But you, you go when you have the advantage. Don't call a timeout when you're in transition and you've got to get right. the team on their heels and, and just go, don't let them set up or whatever. But they were getting the ball off a dead ball turnover because Boogie Cousins had that little legal screen. Yep. There's no reason not to call the timeout. You might as well because the other team's going to set up regardless. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and Golden State played that possession perfectly they sure defensively. Really did. They I mean, really right did. to the, the double team of Iguodala coming up. I mean, it was it was textbook. And Draymond Green's closeout was the play of the game. I mean, it was, a, it was amazing. Nobody talked about that, and it was remarkable the amount of ground that he covered to, to get out there. But I can't help but think, you call a timeout and you set something up, you can get, I would think, uh, at least a look for Kawhi as opposed to having to swing it. Right. And, and more than likely, um, you know, it, it probably – would have ended up I would imagine they were going to key on Kawhi anyway um, so a double team or, or run another guy at Kawhi very poss- possibly could have ended up uh, getting a similar shot but uh, in that situation with the timeout um, you know I think that the, the strategic probably the the safest play is to call it like you said it's not in transition you're not in an advantage um, and they didn't and it, it uh, you know at the end of the day Draymond made a big time championship type play, got a, a finger on it. It was crazy to see the replay and the stills, how much ground he covered, and um, you know just how important that possession was. And you're right, Golden State played it to a T. Yeah, they were great, and they hadn't been playing well defensively. They kept switching Boogie Cousins onto Kyle Lowry for some reason, which made zero sense. And, and, and Boogie just kept like Kyle Lowry drive it, jump stop in the lane. Boogie just kind of move, you know, go for a shot fake or. And he'd step through. He he made a couple big time plays right there. That that would be the only other thing is you know at that point in the game, you don't necessarily need a three. Um, and always feel like just be aggressive, get to the line. You know, if nothing else, have the mindset, make the refs make a call. But Clay made a big shot. Steph made a big shot. Kawhi went nuts uh, in the fourth quarter. I don't know what more you could have asked for out of an NBA playoff game. It was honest. it was awesome. And really the the just both teams played great. It wasn't. Like one team wasn't good, the other team wasn't. It was a great game, and I'm excited to watch uh, tomorrow night. And see what happens. All right, let's get to the let's get to the Kevin Durant injury and the news today. He un- it was a ruptured Achilles tendon, which I think we all anybody who watched that close up replay could have told you that's probably what that was. Uh, he did have successful surgery, and he sent out an, an Instagram post 
um, which which I thought was really good. And just to really quick here, give it a read. He says, uh, what's good, everybody? I wanted to update you all. I did rupture my Achilles. Surgery was today and it was success. Easy money. My road back starts now. I got my family and my loved ones by my side, and we truly appreciate all the messages and support people have sent our way. Like I said, Monday, I'm hurting deeply, but I'm okay. Basketball is my biggest love, and I wanted to be out there that night because that's what I do. I wanted to help my teammates on our quest for the three-peat. Uh, it's just the way things go in this game, and I'm proud that I gave it all. Uh, physically, I could, and I'm proud of my brothers uh, got the W. It's going to be a journey, but I'm built for this. I'm a hooper. I know my brothers can get this game six, and I will be cheering with Dub Nation while they do it. That's pretty candid. And, uh, you know, KD takes a lot of grief, um, and, and in some cases making your own Twitter account, rightfully so. Uh, but I, I think that that's a pretty human statement right there uh and just the you know the the sentiment that uh, bob myers talked to the media when he was just that emotional it kind of speaks to what kind of person kd really is kind of behind the scenes i love that statement i i wasn't sure when he would finally make some statement what what it would be and i love it that he said listen i was out there because that's what i do i wanted to go help win that's that's what we all want out of our teams we root for and our athletes that we root for is they go out there and win give it all you got and here's a guy that probably understood the risk but wanted to get out and play and help his team win an nba title that's what it's all about i, I love that statement i thought that was terrific from kevin durant and and i don't often love what he has to say publicly but i thought that was terrific do you uh you f- agree with me in terms of the fact that it gave him a li- you felt like it gave the warriors a lift? oh yeah well he was going for 40 i mean he was going to have one hell of a game and he just happened to get to 11 before he got hurt. But, yeah, they played they played differently. They played inspired. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, and the ball wasn't sticking, you nope. know, like everybody talked about. The ball was moving. And he, after being off that long, you know, came in and really gave him a huge lift. Um, but it, it's a sad thing, but it's amazing there's shockwaves <laughs> that just that one thing will send through an already exciting offseason. I don't think it changes a whole lot. To be honest, well, we, we can talk about how it how it does uh, it might have an impact. Like, does Kyrie Irving want to go play with Kevin Durant because now the process is delayed by at least a year, probably two? But I still think there are going to be teams lined up to give him the max. Oh, no question, no question. I don't think this makes it so he's. People are talking about how he's going to opt into his last year for thirty two million dollars to thirty one and a half. That's crazy. He can get paid 38 for sitting on the sidelines next year and have further years guaranteed. Why on earth would he ever opt into his player deal? I think that would be crazy. I guess more than anything, it just is I, perhaps not the moves, but just what next year actually means. You know, who's going to be the favorite with you know if, uh, with his injury and and you, know, you would think that he's going to miss some time. So it's uh it'll be an interesting thing to see. How do you approach that with your players when, you, you know, they're dinged up? Everybody is. College basketball, I'm sure, is similar. Toward the end of the year, people are dealing with stuff. I mean, it's only natural. You're playing sports. How do you, how do you deal with a player maybe who wants to play too much or, or a player that, uh, you know, you think can go but is reluctant? I mean, how do you deal with that? Do you just completely defer to the medical staff and say, make a decision and let me know? Or how does that internally usually work? Yeah, we would always defer to the medical staff. Right. I mean, we never wanted to be put in a position where, you know, our pressure put a kid in a bad situation that caused issues um so for sure defer to the medical staff and allow them to be experts in the field that they're in um but as as far as um modifying oftentimes a guy like tyler hawes for instance who 
was pretty much 38 minutes a game and took a beating every night. Um, you know, we we would not lessen his activity in practice, but we would just as a focus on practice, we would kind of maybe shorten some things down and just kind of be really careful about the way we we managed their reps in a given practice. Go watch film. Why don't you do a little extra? Yeah, we never separate do a little extra film, film work. <laughs> we would never separate them, but, uh, you know, one of the things Coach would always have one of us do is count the reps that a guy's like, like Ty or Jimmer or Jackson or guys that played a lot of minutes and maybe pull them out of things um, so they're still involved in practice and there isn't kind of that – Hey man, he's not practicing. Why do I have to practice? So they'd be out there, but maybe instead of going four times in a in a certain thing, we'd only let him go two. Your your uh, opinion about uh, deferring to the medical staff, I, I think, is right of the money. That's why I don't like this whole Charles Barkley blame it on the Warriors thing. Unless unless you're alleging malpractice, which I don't think anybody is. Unless you're alleging that the doctor had an agenda. And that agenda was to wheel him back out on the court, regardless of the situation. Then there's really nothing to talk about, because I would imagine that's everybody to defer to the doctor. And in this case, I know they they not only team doctors, but doctor uh, the doctor back in New York, and I think they had a doctor in Baltimore look at it as well. Where they're, uh, I mean, you're getting information where Kevin Durant hopefully can make an educated decision about you know what he's risking and and what he's not. I don't like the whole well the Warriors pressured him to play and all this stuff. We're talking about. We're talking about multiple doctors that are weighing in on this whole thing. And unless you're saying those doctors have an agenda and are giving Kevin Durant fraudulent advice, uh, then we really don't have anything to talk about here. And that's why another reason I was I was glad to see Kevin's statements that like, hey, I went out there for my teammates. I, I consulted the right people. He didn't say that, but, you know, and the, he's comfortable with his decision. I, I don't like that whole blame it on this guy, blame it on that guy, because I think if you really go down that rabbit hole and and you're not going to find anything unless doctors really are conspiring to give somebody bad advice, which what is this any given Sunday? Like that's not happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's way too much of an investment, right? Way too much care. The, you know, the players, uh, the players union obviously has things to say. Um, Bottom line is I think, like you say, Kevin wanted to get back. He wanted to help his team. He wanted to hoop because that's what he does. Um, But one thing that was really refreshing as well is, you know, Bob Myers could have pointed the finger you know, he could have said, oh, this, that. Bottom line is he's in charge and he put the blame on himself, if anything, just to kind of end all that. Because that's in a, our society right now. Everybody's got a voice and everybody wants to, to find somebody to blame. But the bottom line in sports is, man, bad things happen. Bad things happen all the time. And um, it just it was an unfortunate uh, situation and certainly wish the best for, for KD and his recovery. Won a bet because of uh, any given Sunday when I was in college. You did, yeah. You Tell know, me about Austin will like this. You know, Matthew Modine's in any given Sunday. You sure? He's the doctor who actually has uh, scruples or whatever. So I won a bet, and it may or may not have been a case of my favorite beverage. Uh, that he was the Diet same. Coke. Uh, he was the same guy who was in Full Metal Jacket, who played. Uh, joker in full metal jacket and this dude was like no no way not the same guy not a chance i was like it's the same dude bam beverages for me nice easiest bet i ever won i hated that movie though it wasn't the same dude matthew modine no it's his twin mike no it is not i'm just kidding okay (laughs) awesome got him how about that that was quick 
He actually had me believe in it. Like, <laughs> a little bit, right? We've got a second. That was Frank Modian, actually. We've yes. got a second Lloyd on the other side that's of the glass. That's just uh, That's just terrific. Have you ever heard the Mike from IT story? No. We might have to tell you that one off the air. Okay. We could tell it on the air, but I don't. then we'd uh, upset Austin for the rest of the day, and I don't know if we need to do that. It's a good story, though. Some people are okay lying. That's... Uh, well, you, you looked really convincing when you said that. You didn't even, like, But do you see how quickly I told you I was kidding? Right. I'm a good friend. True. Other people let you go to your deathbed not knowing the truth. I like your uh, Movie Zone poll question today, by the way. I'm going to have to think about that. Three favorite Samuel L. Jackson roles. Pulp Fiction. Yeah, I think that's going to be a frequent answer. I liked him as the, uh, the stick-up guy in... Uh, Coming to America. That's what Lloyd said, too. <laughs> Lloyd said, uh, Jurassic Park. Hold on to your butts. Uh, Stax Edwards from Goodfellas, which is like an eight-second scene. He's late to his own funeral. Wow, I didn't scene? even realize he was in that movie. And then the guy that robs McDowell's. Yeah, see? I have a couple of buddies in uh, in L.A. They're actually notorious uh, in college basketball, the Pump, Pump Twins, Pump Brothers. Um and they are really, really tight with all the L.A. people. And this year, I can't remember. I think Samuel L. Jackson turned 60, uh, but it was his, it was some kind of monumental birthday. And uh, he selected a, hand-selected a bunch of people to go back to New York. He turned 70. Wow. Uh, anyway, he uh, they hand-selected a bunch of people, and they got to go back to New York and have this big party. And um, it was just random, but yeah. You know what we may need to play for – uh, not sports sport today is that uh, time when Samuel L. Jackson went on the morning LA TV show <laughs> and they thought he was Lawrence Fishburne oh no oh have you you've got to hear this which we had a we had a poll re- response think of say a movie that they thought was their favorite Samuel L. Jackson it turns out it was Morgan Freeman really <laughs> <laughs> along the same lines as this interview oh this. I love Samuel L. Jackson and Shawshank <laughs> he was just brilliant <laughs> Uh, you've got to hear that. We'll we'll play it for the Not Sports Report because this this Hollywood TV guy, you know reporter confuses him for Lawrence Fishburne, and then Samuel L. Jackson will not let him off. I mean, just it goes on for like two minutes where oh, he man. just busts the guy's chops. It's great. All right, want to remind you, come and watch Future Stars at PGA Tour teed up at Oak Ridge Country Club in Farmington, June 27th through the 30th. Don't wait till the last minute to purchase your tickets. Buy them online now. UtahChampionship.com. More next. 97.5 and 1280 of the Zone. Three, two, one, one, one. The countdown is back on the Zone Sports Network. It's the fifth annual college football top 60 and 60. As we count you down to the start of the college football season. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hans and Scotty will announce another selection. I see you on five. Leading up to the start of the 2019 season. As voted on by the local media and you the fans. It's the top 60 and 60. Presented by Cypress Credit Union, the Southtown Auto Mall, and Master Electrical Service. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Seventeen so gone, getting gone so long. Seventeen so gone. 
It's a false side of hope where believers can see. And there's only memories when it's over. Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Tim Lacombe sitting in for Gordon Monson today. Jake Scott hanging out with you as well. It is a win ticket Wednesday. Let's get a winner right now. 855-340-ZONE, 12th caller. 855-340-ZONE. You're going to go see Jason Aldean, his Ride All Night Tour 2019. He's going to be on the road this summer with special guests Kane Brown and Carly Pierce. Your chance to see them live July 27th at USANA Amphitheater. Tickets on sale now. Purchase your tickets at LiveNation.com or simply be the 12th caller right now. 855-340-ZONE. We're going to have Chris Mannix on with us uh, coming up at the top of the next hour. Excited to talk to Chris. Uh, real quick, just a, a quick story for you, Tim. Um, you know, we do radio promotions, and some go better than others. Right. And, you know, promotions in, in general, some go better than others. Well, there was a bar in Miami that wanted to uh, to get a little juice going for the, the Women's World Cup and the U.S. match against Thailand, get, uh, get some ideas going. So they did uh, a series of drink specials, all right? So they had uh, $15 Bud and Bud Light Buckets. Uh, $3 tequila shots, $5 Jameson shots, $6 Guinness, and then this one, free shots for every goal the U.S. Wins na- women's oh. national team scores. <laughs> free shots for the whole bar. Hopefully there weren't a ton of uh, patrons during the game. For every goal scored, which turned out to be 13. 13. So which means if you stayed the whole, watched the whole game at that bar, you weren't walking upright out there was, of there. Uh, there 13 shots? Probably a line of people for alcohol poisoning. <laughs> Seriously. Wow. 13 shots, you're going to be crawling out of there. You're not If uh, you're lucky. If you're lucky. Yeah. Do you, you think might when be the, sleeping on the sidewalk. Do you think when the uh, you know 10th, 11th, 12th goal hit, you know, some people were still excited, but some people were like, oh. Not another oh, one. I don't want <laughs> not another one. I don't want another one. That was amazing. <laughs> it really was amazing. What do you think about the the critics out there? I heard Austin played it on on his show today. The the analysts for the Canadian broadcast were just going after the Americans for running it up and and you know uh, what's her name had five goals and she's counting Alex out on Morgan. Her, Alex Morgan on her fingers. What do you, what do you think about the running it up World Cup style? I I say run it up. I don't know. I mean, what are you going to do? You, you got to play. You got to continue to. I mean, so much of it's reps and conditioning, and I mean, they're right in the middle of it. So, certainly, uh, I've I've always believed that. I never felt one time, you know, if a team beat us pretty good, it was more on us than it was on them. You know, I mean, it's just kind of how it is. Well, and goal differential is a thing in the women's world cup too. So all those goals, they still count. I mean. Hey, I guess it'd be one thing to criticize somebody for running it up when it didn't matter. Like a win's a win, it's a so win. A, a plus thirteen would b- probably be a pretty good spot to be in. For yeah, goal differential. If there's a tie, you're you're breaking it on your side. I, I mean, mean, that's that might happening. be a record in one game. Right? Yeah, right. Jeez. I'm not sure the men's team has thirteen in its history. So <laughs> right. <laughs> nice, nice, Austin. But also, uh, you you mentioned you heard uh, on the Tony and Austin show today. We played a clip of the Canadians. Yeah. yeah being mad about it wouldn't it be more disrespectful tim if the u.s had let off the gas of course yeah i mean it just depends on how you look at it but yes i i would feel embarrassed if if they were just playing keep away for whatever uh yeah it's it's a competition it's it's a world-class competition and you're either ready or you're not 13 shots 
13. N- not making it out of that bar. Not not having it. I'd be like, oh, don't squirt. I'd be saying to the bartender, could you just put water in this one? Just, just, just water. Just put some Aquafina in this thing. <laughs> Coming up next, we're, <laughs> we're going to talk a little basketball with our good friend Chris Mannix. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 of the zone.